once we realize that we're not enough unless he comes, that's when revival happens. Revival happens when we realize that we're not enough in our own, that we don't have the ability to change anything, to do anything without his power and authority within us. And I feel his power and I feel his graciousness. I feel his spirit in this place today. That can only mean one thing. That means that you're hungry. You may be seated. That only can mean only one thing, that you are hungry. And you are wanting more of God. And God says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So if you come hungry today, you shall be filled. I'm so excited about what God is doing. So excited. I ended a message. Well, I didn't even get to my message last week. Um, but um, I, I ended with, won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Psalms 85 and 6. He was like, well, the word revival is not in the Bible. Well, it, the word, it says revive. The root word for revival is to revive. When either, you know, but the, the word Bible is not in the Bible. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word rapture is not in the Bible. Catch the way is we, but it refers to and tells us these things. So we want to be revived. The root word for revive is, or revival is to revive, to come to life, to, to recover consciousness and, and strength, to bring back to normal condition, to produce again. See, I want to tell you today, I want to prophesy to you today that we are in a move of God. Even right now. But Pastor Doug, we're a smaller church and, you know, revival's happening. Listen, God, in the Word of God, God never looked at the size of the warrior that was going to fight the enemy and decided, you're too small. You're too little. How about David? David was just a teenager. He was king. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were teenagers in the fiery furnace, came out unscathed and unburned. How about, how about Gideon? He had so many people. God was like, no, I just want you to take 300 so... You could be, everybody can understand that this is me. How about, how about Daniel in the lion's den? He was only a teenager, 15 years old or so. How about King Josiah? He became king when he was like 13 years old. How about Paul and Saul? Both came from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Saul, King Saul, and then Saul who became Paul. We wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Came from the tribe of Benjamin, which was the smallest tribe of the 12 tribes of Judah. Asbury, Lee College, they're not great, big, huge colleges. But God moved in them. There's a move. Now listen, and you're like, but you know, but we hadn't really, but no, let me tell you what, we have not even touched the tip of what's about to happen. We have not even begun. Last week was nothing compared to what God's about to do in our church over the next while. Okay? Because it's not even the beginning. I, I, I will, I'll tell you this right here. I will never manipulate push or force a move of God. And if things go off the rail, I'll deal with that. And I've told y'all, I'm not scared to say, hey, you, need, you know, that's not, that's not of God. But also, you know, somebody said the other day, I heard somebody the other day, says, don't fake it and don't fight it. And we're not going to fake it. But we're not going to fight it either. We're going to let God move and do what he does. But I'll tell you what, I've been in ministry, I mean, I've been in ministry longer, but as far as part-time, full-time, I've been in ministry over 25 years, and I have never in my entire 25 years of ministry felt what I feel right now. Never. Nothing. I've, been, I've, I've had all kind of revivals and those things, but, but no, never have I felt what I feel right now. Maybe it's because I'm the lead pastor now, you know, and I, I was a youth pastor, I wasn't supposed to feel what he was, but I feel it now. 
And he is here. I'm prophesying to you. If you want it, it's here. Okay, I'm not saying, oh, I'm becoming a prophet all of a sudden. God, God's been speaking to me like crazy. And I'm just like, yes, sir, yes, sir. And, you know, and I told you, and, you know, it's no, it's no, it's no problem. It's not a coincidence that seven years is ending and eight years is beginning. Right? This year, because, you know, I talked about seven years is completion. Eight years is new beginning. How, man, this is perfection. God is doing something new in us. And I'm telling you, so you're wondering if it is? Yes, it's a movement. And I just say, I'm going to say, I'm going to, we're going to talk about revival. We're going to talk about awakenings. But what's happening in this room, in this, in this house, through you and everybody watching online, I don't, I'm not, I don't want us to put a title on it. You can't really title God. And I don't want to box him into a certain title that he only has to move in that way. Because true, a true move of God, sometimes it's like last week, it was fire. It was electric. It was just powerful. But sometimes it's a quiet move of God. Sometimes revival is when you're on your face crying before God and weeping, saying, woe is me, I'm undone. Sometimes it's a jump. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes it's just everybody is just bawling, crying. Don't let revival look one way to you. To you. One week we may have some fire, the next week we may have crying, the next week you may not even feel a whole lot, and you may like, I just it doesn't feel like it has last week. That does not mean revival's not here. That means God's doing something different this week. Uh, we're going to have a culture of revival. We're not going to have a revival where it just, it just goes on for every night. If God ever decides that, that's fine. But I'm not saying that's what I believe what we're going to have is a culture of revival, that we live in that culture, that every time we meet, Holy Spirit shows up. And ministers to us. Every small group, Holy Spirit shows up. Holy Spirit shows up when you're on the phone with somebody else in this room. When you're eating with somebody else. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit shows up when you're at work and you're trying to minister to somebody. Holy, Holy Spirit shows up when you're at the mall. So we leave here on Sunday and the fire and the, and the, the weeping and the crying and the joy and the revival happens here. And then we leave here, you go out into the world and minister to the world and come back. That, that's a culture of revival. So we're going to have a culture of revival. And we're in it. And I'm going to just let it go. I'm going to let it ride. I'm not going to quench it. I'm going to let God do what he wants to do. Ephesians 5.14. Jesus is talking to the church of Ephesus. It says, for the light makes everything visible. Light makes everything visible. That's why it is said, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Two different types of people. What do you mean two? It's just a comma there. Well, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Then there's two different types of people. So to me, God is saying, here, those of you that have fallen asleep in the church and the devil has wooed you to sleep and you're just asleep and you're just, you're not dead in Christ. He's like, wake up! Okay? And then there's people that are dead in Christ. There's churches that's just dead. The Holy Spirit's not... Kabbalah, they're not, they're not even there. He's like, listen, rise up. So that's everybody. Rise up. He's talking to Christians here. Read, read it, read it. In the whole chapter, he's talking to believers. And you know what's happening when it's just not happening here on Sundays. There were testimonials this week. I got all kinds of testimonials. I started getting them when I walked in the door today, but this week they said, my family and I have never had so much peace in my home. I've had so many answered prayers. Somebody said, it was blessed to see God's grace. 
Somebody said, I had a great week. Somebody said, it was an awesome week, feeling more of God's presence this week than I have in a long time. Someone said, how good it is, how we let God move, and we waited it without rushing through prayer, and we allow God to do what needs to be done. Someone said, it was great. I felt God working in people's lives, and to witness it was so encouraging. Someone said, hopeful, determined, and blessed. Someone said, he's showing me a whole new world. Someone said, God is definitely moving inside of me, and I'm going to, be, uh, I'm going to brag about it, about how great he is to everybody I get a chance to. God is moving. God is doing something. And I, and I refuse to try to hype something that's not. Because if I do that, I'm held accountable for cr creating false emotion that does nothing for you but hurts you in the long run. I've been through that. And I'm not going to be that pastor. We're going to have a culture of revival. And revival is just not going to be a little shot and, and you know, a shot that gives us a booster shot. It's just not going to give us a little antibiotic or something that's just going to, like a shot of adrenaline, a little, a little shot of espresso. This is going to be continual. And revival is when individuals get along with God and they get fired up and they come to church and revival happens. There's a hunger, there's a passion, there's a fire, there's a drive for more and more of Him. I'll be honest with you, man, for the past couple of weeks, you know, there's nothing wrong with other things. Nothing wrong with other things, okay, or life. Man, I have just been craving the spiritual over the last couple of weeks. I hadn't wanted to do nothing cutesy or fun or whatever. I, I just, just want Jesus. Well, you're just being whole. No, no, it's, I, it's not me. It's in me. And I just want it. And I want more of it. Once you start tasting, what's the scripture say, Bruce? Taste and see that I am good. And once you taste it, Mm, licking them lips. I want more. Right? See, last week was, was fire, and it's, sometimes it's joy, sometimes it's singing, sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes a revival is just when it's just quiet. So don't put God in a box to, to, to move in a certain way. But in order to, re, in order to have revival, the word revive, so to revive something, that something has to be dead. Okay? So we're going to talk about that. There has to be a passion, there has to be a brokenness, and there has to be some, something that's dead. And so there's three types of death. There's a physical death, separation from the inner man um, to the outer man, or the soul from the spirit, which that's when the breath of life has passed. Okay, then there's a spiritual death, which is separation for man from God because of sin, and that's when the breath of the spirit has left. Okay, you could be um, spiritually alive, but physically dead. Wait, is there it? You can be spiritually dead, but physically alive. You can be alive, but spiritually dead, right? You know, or you can be physically dead, but spiritually alive in heaven, or you can be spiritually and physically dead in, in a place that we don't ever want to be. But the third place, the third death is the one that I want to talk about, death to self. That's where revival begins. Separation from your old man to your new man. Old woman to your new woman. Separation from... Not my will, but your will be done. Separation from my flesh to please, pleasing my flesh to pleasing God. Romans 12 or 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Revival is a thought change. Revival is a different thought process. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. Now, don't 
copy the behaviors and customs of this world. That world is not talking about the earth. Okay? That world, that, that, the world there is talking about a system, a behavior, an attitude, right? It's talking about the world system, that behavior, the attitude. Okay, now here's the thing. You know, um, Jesus called Satan the prince of this world. So having the attitude of the enemy like that. Now, now here's the problem. The, the, world, the, the world has entered the church. That, that behavior, the attitude, you know, the, the system has entered the church of today. That's why people can't determine the difference between the church and the world anymore. Because the church has become worldly, right? But, but I believe that in this move of God, that God is going to separate the two. And there's going to be a separation of the world and the church. And there's going to be a definite dividing line of what's the world and what's the church. Now, not a superiority. Not a, well, I'm in the church and I'm better than you because you're in the world. No, a humility, but a separation. A separation. It says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only sees what he, I mean, he does only what he sees the father doing. And whatever the father does, the son does also. So Jesus was on earth imitating God. We are to imitate Jesus, which means we are imitating God. We can't let our flesh be, be pleased by this world. We need to be pleasing the father and doing as a father would do. And whenever we find ourselves in sin, trying to please our flesh, we need to repent and have a repentant heart for that. Scripture says in Psalms 119.11, I have hidden that word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how do I not sin? I know the word and read the word and it's in my heart. That way, whenever sin tries to come against me, I have power to fight the spiritual warfare. I have power to overcome the enemy. I know the scriptures to, to speak. When Satan himself, Satan, the physical Satan came to Jesus, the physical Jesus, the human Jesus, on the, on, the, on the mountain, that right there should tell us how we need to fight the enemy. We should not think that we're better than Jesus. What did Jesus say when he fought the literal spirit of Satan looking right at him? He said what? It is written. So if Jesus Christ used the word to defeat Satan, why would we try to use anything else? We need to use that. I was on a Zoom the other day with um, Bishop Kevin Wallace, and uh, he, he, said, he said to us, he said, revival is scripture-fed, spirit-led, and prayer-bred. And I said, oh, that's good. I love that. I love that. But, but, but we need to hear the voice of the Father through the Spirit. But we have too many other voices that are in our head. We have the voices of the enemy. You know, we have all kind of voices that are coming from all different places. But what does John 10, 5, comma 27 say? God gave me a word on this right here. I, I was, this, is, this really rocked me. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. My sheep listen to my voice. Sheep is us. I know them and they follow me. It says they don't follow a stranger. And God spoke to me when I read that scripture in the middle of this week. And he says the problem is, is that in the church, Satan has not become a stranger anymore. He's become a friend. 
I was just, I had to see like, you know, the scripture in, in Psalms, it says Selah, S-L-E-A-H, just means all, think about it. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was like, God, if Satan has become a friend of the church, and that's why we, we listen to his voice, because he's become a friend, it's familiar, we listen to his voice, because we hear that voice, then we hear God's voice, and we're like, well, God, who, which one is you, right? Well, how do we get that voice of Satan to be a stranger? Well, have you ever not seen somebody in a really long time? A really long time, and all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, stranger," or you ha you hear somebody on the, on the phone that you hadn't heard in a long time. You're like, "I didn't even recognize your voice." You separate yourself from the enemy. You separate yourself, and you get close to God. You come close to God, and He'll come close to you. And whenever you you do that, you separate yourself long enough, you'll be like, "What? What did you say? I don't know who you are. I didn't recognize your voice anymore." Are you getting that? Because this right here, that's, that's a rhema word for you today. That's something right now I want you to hear because this is going to revolutionize your life. So that's talking about the death part. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to, 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 to be revived, you have something has to die, death to ourself. But if you're going to be alive, then you've got to have some things to be alive too. So to be alive, you have to have an appetite. If you're going to be alive, you've got to eat. What do you got to eat? Spiritually. The Word of God. Pray. Read the Bible. Listen to podcasts. Listen to blogs. Listen to vlogs. Listen, listen to, 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 to uh, read books. Come to church. Eat and suck it in and just continue to eat as much as you can. I'm not talking about doing devotions. I'm talking about being devoted. All right? Because Matthew 5, 6 says God, God blesses those who um, hunger and thirst after justice, or King James says righteousness, which means right standing with God. You want to be right with God. And because they shall be filled, or, or, or New, New Living Translation says they shall be satisfied. And see, so that's what happened. Last week, Jason was down here, and, and man, he was just hungry for God, and, and, and he just he was down here, and the Holy Spirit started ministering to him. And I, and I said, Jason, I said, man, before for God to come in, man, you've got to let it all out. And then y'all that were here, the live had already went off, and man, just this guttural, just the scream just came out and he was just letting out all that anger all that hate all that resentment all that guilt all that shame all all of his past he was just letting it all it was all pent up in him and he just let it all out and then god just came in and you see god just brought him to his knees and that's that's what we want to do is get the world out of us so god can and you're not going to always scream like that's not how it's always going to happen that was him you know, but, but, but you, you either, however, you just got to let it out and cry, something, just bawl, call, cry out to God and let all that, all your emotions out to God. But here, but we don't want to do that. We want to go to God's house while we go to our friend's house and we want to have a, I call it, a, I've always, I used to love to teach this to teenagers, but I'm going to teach it to you too because y'all are just teenagers with adult problems that you got, you're like an onion, you just got more issues. Okay, it's just more, more layers, but it's the same thing. Okay, so it, it, it was, it's a, I call it a front porch conversation with God. We want to get on the front porch with Jesus and sit in our rocker, and him and his rocker, and drink our little sweet tea, and maybe have a slice of pie, and have a conversation and talk chit-chat, right? And we're okay with that. That's kind of like going to the temple where the holies of holies are at and saying, I'm good out here in the outer court. We're just going to talk out here, Okay. But God wants you to, how many people know that there's something special 
when someone invites you to their house and you sit at their table. How special is it to go into the holies of holies and be at the table of God? Don't be satisfied with a little chit-chat on the outside and have a little sweet tea and a, a, some, some kind of apple pie. Go into his house and sit. Just you know, Hey, what's the Last Supper? How intimate was that? Why do we take the communion? That's intimacy because we are at his table. See the word that, that we, we want revival, but we only want it on the front porch. We only want to come and shout on Sundays and have a little fire and then live our life for the rest of the week. Number two, you have to have an appetite. Number two, if you are alive, you're not only going to have an appetite, you're going to have discharge, right? So that means that because if you don't have discharge and, and you're, you're eating all the time, what happens? You get constipated. There's a lot of constipated Christians. They take in all the time and they don't ever give out. Come on, so I'm just speaking real to you. You know I'm going to tell you the truth. A lot of constipated Christians. But you want to take in, you want to take in, you want to take in, but you never want to give back. You, you don't give your tithes, you don't give your offerings, you don't want to serve. I got a, a paper out there that's been out there three weeks. I don't want anybody that's already serving signing up for the same thing. But, you know, I'm asking out there, asking for help. because We're growing and things are happening. I don't want people to sign up. Go out there and see how many names are on there. How many people are not wanting to give back. Okay? So, so you have to do that because if not, what happens? You get toxins in your system and you're just taking it in. But not only just give back in time, talent, and treasure, but you know, when you go to work, give back out to other people what you, what you had. Tell people. Testify. Witness to them. The church itself. The church itself. We just can't take in. That's why we do missions. That's why we do outreach. Because we're not just going to take in and get fat and healthy. We're not going to have $500,000 in the bank and just say, okay, well, we're just going to sit in and let it sit there and not do nothing with it because case something happens. No, we're going to we're going to bless people. We're going to bless Jesus. We're going to do everything. We're going to be good stewards of God's word. But we're going to we're going to bless. We're going to give back. Number 3. Let's just move on from that one. Okay, let's see that one right up. Number 3. You got to have growth. If you're going to be alive, you're going to have appetite discharge and growth. If you are alive, you grow. Right? Is somewhere, and if there's some, if you're somewhere where you're not growing, well, you probably need to move to somewhere where you can grow. Now, but also, don't blame the church for your lack of growth. Sundays is not a time; it's a time that we learn. That it is a time that we learn, and we can grow. But it's really a rally session. It's really a place for sinners, for you that are Christians, to witness during the week, bring sinners back. And every week salvations happen. That's revival. Miracles, signs, and wonders. That's why we have small groups. So you can get more depth and learn more. Thank you, men. Those of you that came to the men to mimic the other, day, other night, we had a, I put out a call for, for men to, to come to, to the men's meeting, and we had a lot of men show up, and I was so excited. So thank you. We need men in the church to, to rise up. So thank you. But anyway, but so unless you sow a seed spiritually, nothing will grow, right? So Mark 4.20, as the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest. Listen, when you plant a seed, God says, I'll help you reap a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 fold, 100 times as much as you planted. 
The problem is people think, well, I'll plant a dollar and I'll get a hundred dollars. Okay? It's not about always money. Maybe you'll get a hundred dollars worth of help. Maybe you'll get a hundred dollars worth of happiness. Maybe you'll get a hundred dollars worth of peace and joy. And you're not even looking at that. You're not even excited about that. God's blessing you with it, but you're looking for the finances. Why? Because the love of money is the root of all evil. But you reap what you sow. So it's not only what you sow, it's where you sow, how you, what, what, and what kind of attitude that you sow it with. If you give it begrudgingly and you're like, hey, you know, you ever, you ever get somebody offered you some money, but you can tell they didn't want to let go of it? That's not, that, you ain't really giving me money. Don't, don't be trying to ask for a blessing and you just feel like you have to give it. It's kind of like your mama said, give your sister a dollar. Oh, well, here, here then, here, take it. Now, God, I gave my sister a dollar. I want you to bless me. Just, that's just not how it works. Listen, if you got a whole harvest full of jalapeno seeds, and you're like, those are hot. I don't like jalapeno seeds, but I've been planting jalapeno seeds. I should have been planting jalapeno seeds. They're hot. They're bitter. They're nasty. I don't like them. I don't even know why I planted them, but I've been planting them. I, Lord, I, I need to quit getting Now, people do that, but they want a new harvest. But the problem is, that I, want, I want strawberry seeds. I want strawberries to grow. Well, if you ain't planting strawberry seeds, and you're planting jalapeno seeds, don't think that you'll get no strawberries. Okay, so if you're planting hate, anger, bitterness, addiction, uh, jealousy, unforgiveness, and you're planting all this junk, don't expect to get peace, love, and joy, and happiness, and faith. Okay, now, how do I do that? Well, you stop planting the jalapeno seeds and start planting strawberry seeds. And then know that because you planted so many jalapeno seeds that, that you're still going to have a straggle of some jalapeno seeds for a little while. What you do is you rip them up. You don't say, oh, they're still growing. I guess it didn't work. No, you rip them up from the root and say, no, that's not the harvest I want anymore. I'll rebuke that. I take authority over that. And you keep ripping them up. And eventually, you'll have a whole harvest of strawberries. Now, I hope you heard that in the spirit. Because that was more in the spirit than what I was talking about in the flesh. It was more of a, a parable, I guess I would say. Number four, you reproduce. You make babies, right? So the thing is, is but we, we as Christians, in the spirit, we make or we help, through Christ, create converts. We reproduce and converts and people, right? Now, the thing is, but we can't be like them deadbeat dads that has a baby and then walks out. We can't have people receive Christ and then you're saved, best of luck to you. I hope you don't fall back on God. I hope you don't turn back on God. I hope you don't backslide. That's where discipling comes in. Being a father, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, helping them grow, talking to them, being with them, teaching them, helping them. But here's the thing. You can only reproduce what's in you. And you're wondering why people that you are trying to, to mentor, people that you're trying to grow, sometimes even our own family, why they are the way they are when really in a lot of, in a lot of cases it's our own fault because we just re reproduce what was in us. And then we want, to get, we want to get mad at them 
for being who they are when we reproduce them. So if you're a liar and a deceiver, you're going to re you can reproduce a lie, a lie and a deceiver. If you're a hypocrite or you're angry, you know, you're going to reproduce an angry hypocrite. Or if you're a gossip or you're an addict, you're going to reproduce that. So you've got to get all that stuff out of you so you can reproduce the godly things of God. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on them to save them unless they truly believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they never heard him? And now how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is what the scripture says. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who go bring the good news. And I love that because we were watching, uh, you know, um, Jesus' revolution. And he quoted that scripture. It's like, yes, that's my message. I loved it. But how can somebody go unless they're invited? You know, you know, the, the, you know the, all these people, these chairs, you know where they're at? You didn't invite them. Well, he didn't come today. Because if he invited people, then these chairs would be full. So we have, they have to be invited. They have to say, hey, you know, you have to do that. The Philippian jailer, whenever Paul and Silas was in jail, you know, when Paul and Silas was in jail, the Philippian jail, when the jail shook and Paul and the, the, the jail opened and the whole there was an earthquake and the, 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 um, the jailer was going to go kill himself. And he's like, man, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get in trouble because all, everybody left. Paul and Silas talked to him, went to his house, shared with them the gospel, invited them in to receive Christ, and him and his whole family got saved. You have to be a witness. Paul, well, whenever he was Saul, the light came down on Saul, and he saw a light. Nobody else saw the light. He saw the light. It blinded him. He had to go to Ananias' house. He found Ananias, and Ananias talked to Paul and said, you know, gave him the gospel, and he got saved that day, okay? And so... Saul was someone who killed Christians. He persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. That same person who persecuted and murdered Christians wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So don't give up on anybody. I don't care how bad they look. I don't care how bad a record they have. I don't care how far you feel like your child has gone. I don't care how far you feel like your spouse has left. I don't care how distant away from God you feel like they are. I don't care what they've done. God can still bring them back. So, but you have to witness. Well, well what? I don't know how to witness. Well, you know, to wit let me tell you what the witness is. To give an account of what you saw, heard, or know. That's it. When you go sit on a, when you go, when you, when you go to a court and, and you are a witness, all you do is they, sir, they say, sir, I just want you to tell us what you saw, heard, or know. Your job is not to persuade the jury. That's not your job. You have the lawyer, which is Jesus. He's the one who persuades the jury through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? In the spiritual court, you know, through the Holy Spirit to, to do that. And God is a judge. God's the judge. Then, and and uh, Jesus is a lawyer. And Holy Spirit convicts the person, the, the jury that you're talking to. And all you got to do is say, this is what I saw, heard, and know. Just like the blind man. The blind man, said, they said, hey, you're blind since birth. What in the world happened to you? What was his response? I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. That was witness. That was witness. That's all it took. All you got to do is say, hey, man, I don't know what happened last week. It's new to me. I don't understand it all. But, dude, I felt the power of God. 
I saw the power of God. I experienced the power of God. Something in me happened to me that has never happened before. Dude, I don't even understand it. I don't get it. I don't know. And if you know more than that, then you share more than that. If you understand it more. So what does true revival bring? And I'll tell you four, four or five things and we'll be done. What does revival bring? True praise and worship. You're just not here singing the song, the words. You're not here, just sitting here just singing out the words off of the screen. You are truly praising and worshiping from your heart. We enter to his gates of thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And you don't wait until you get here to begin that. All right? And, and when the scripture says, let everything that have breath, Psalms 100, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. That is not a suggestion. That's a command. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. There is no question mark. It's a period. So we all should praise the Lord in our own way. It says, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. God inhabits the praises of his people. There's different ways. I want you to know praise, when you're praising God, is not only applause. We feel like, amen, amen, amen. There's a whole lot of other ways of praise than just clapping. Matter of fact, there's only one scripture in the whole Bible, Psalm 47.1, that says clap. And it says, clap all your hands, all you people. One time it says to dance in Psalms 115.4. And I love that. You know me, I'm a jumper. I'm just, I just love, that's my worship. I love that. I'm, you know, they think I'm tiggered. You know, so I just love that. I just love to jump and to worship God. Okay, three times it says lift your hands in the sanctuary. It says lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. All right? And then it says, and then it says, um, to, it says to shout. 40, uh, it says 13 times to shout. To shout. That's hallelujah. It says in a warlike manner. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You're, you're shouting out praises to God. Like David did over Goliath. And like the Joshua, when he walked around Jericho, they were quiet for a little while. And then that, that seventh time, they shouted. But 50 times it says to sing praises. Sing praises. Number two, unity. And the Lord said, Behold, the, the people are one. They have all one language. And this, they, and, and this they begin to know. And they know nothing will be restrained from them. This is what God is saying. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. If the church can get just that scripture. All my life I've read that and thought if the church of God, not church of God, the church of God, all denominations can get that and we can unify and come together, there's nothing that we can't do. And if other churches don't come together with us, we at least can come in one mind and one accord in here and come together in unity and gather together and catch the vision and unify. And think about, think about the things we've done already. Having all these people at the, at, 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 in our community over in our stuff and, and how our name's gotten out there by things that we've done. And how? Because we were unified and we were together and we did it with the power of God. Number three, anointing. Real revival brings more anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings or the good news to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our Lord. To comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto all them that mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness. And the planting of the Lord, that you might be glorified. 
I want you to know that when the moment you got saved, you had some anointing in you. You know how everybody has a, a measure of faith? Well, everybody has a measure of anointing when you get saved. So don't can't nobody say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not anointed yet. It's not a graduation thing, okay? You know, that you do, you, you can increase the anointing, but everybody has an anointing. It says in 1 John 20, verse 20, and then verse 27. But you have an unction, an anointing, from the Holy One, and ye know all things. It says, but, then verse 27, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you not need any man teach you. But the same anointing teaches you of all things, and in truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. The anointing. And then to increase that anointing, how do I increase the anointing in my life? Well, that's going to happen naturally because of trials, tribulations, hardships, suffering, and pain. All that, that, that hurt and pain, all that stuff increases the anointing in your life if you stay focused on God. Well, how is that? Well, if, if you need to understand the cost of the anointing, you need to ask the olive. You know, when we were in Israel, they showed us this olive press, and it's big, this big old olive press, and it was a big old... Uh, a cement thing, and they would take these little itty bitty olives and this big, huge, massive olive press, and just just run it and crush those olives. The first olive press was for the, um, the, the the anointing oil. Okay, and then they would then they would go around and they would crush it and smash it again. That was for food. They used it for for food for different you know, extra virgin olive oil. Okay, um, the first one was for the oil of, of the, the, for the for the priest. The second one was extra virgin olive oil. And the third one was for food, I mean, for the oil in the lamps, you know, they would, they would, for the lights. And so it would be crushed three times, every oil. So, it, so if you want to know what the anointing costs, ask the olive. It is crushed and smashed and squashed and pushed and, you know, and all that stuff brought the best oil out of that olive. Number four, whenever you have true revival, then you will have deliverance, miracles, and healings. It will take place. Salvations, miracles, and healings. It will happen. It will automatically happen when you really truly have that move of God and you're alive. And then number five, it will bring crowds. Um, Jesus cast out the devil and it, the, his fame went out amongst all the people in the community, um, places of, of the country round about. Luke 5, 15, it says Jesus cleansed the leper um, and he said don't tell nobody, but, but so much the more went out fame abroad for him. And multitudes came to hear and heard um, and were healed of his infir of their infirmity. So he told the leper, don't say, don't say, don't tell nobody. And then he went out and told everybody. All right. Um, the demonic, then the demonic, demoniac of Gadara, return to thine own house, 8, Luke 8, 38. It says, and show the great things that God has done unto you. And he told him to go tell them this time. It says, and he went that way and published throughout the whole city the great things that God has, that Jesus had done for him. And then number six, the last one, is if you're going to have a move of God in a revival, a true revival, it brings repentance. Now, everybody in here probably just thought, yep, people get saved. It brings repentance. Sinners will repent. But here's the thing. A true revival brings repentance from sinners and Christians. A true revival causes Christians to repent. Too. If my people were called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, right, and repent, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, Acts 
Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. I got this on here and I've heard the scripture like three or four times this week, different places. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then the times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. And God is going to send times of refreshment to us. It's like on that hot, hot day, you have that nice big old cold um, bottle of water or a Gatorade, whatever you drink. And it's just so, so good. And it's just, oh, it's just so refreshing, right? But in Hosea chapter 6 and 3, it says in just a short time, he will restore us, listen to this, so that we may live in his presence. That's a culture. That's a culture of revival. You live in his presence. You just don't get it on Sundays or you don't get it for six weeks and then it goes away. If you want a culture of revival, you live in his presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely in the revival of the dawn and the coming of the rains in the early spring. We're going to live in revival. And I don't care if every other church and university in the world decides to stop, tries to halt the move of God and they turn from the move of God. We're going to continue on. Because we're going to move with God, not against God. And we have not because we ask not. And so we just need to talk to God and ask God to help us with that. And for God to really touch us and heal us and just flow in us and let us have that spirit of revival in us and that, that awakening for us to wake up. So some of you in here today, if you haven't already, I would say wake up. Hopefully there's not any or at least not many, if you're dead in Christ and you've just, you've, you're just you numb to the Spirit of God and you don't even feel Him no more, I'm telling you to rise up because you can. And He will rise you up if you hunger for Him and you want Him to come to us. God is doing great and mighty things in our midst. He's doing great and mighty things things in you. I read all them testimonies and I had, like I said, I had some more this morning come in that I wasn't even able to write down. People talking about, man, God's just doing, I'm searching my heart. I'm praying to God, asking Him to help me to search me, see if there's any wicked way in me. I'm mean, People are just saying, God, God, so I walked through the door. Somebody said, man, God's going to move today. I was like, well, praise God. I'm loving it. When I walk through the house of the God and I open the door and I'm coming ready to preach, that's the thing I want to hear. I'm hungry. I want, I want you to preach to me. Does that make me nervous? Oh, heck yes. But it makes me rely on God more than ever before. Because I know Doug Fall Jr. does not have the power, the authority to, to bring any of that. I know I don't have it to give. I have Christ to give to you. But I can't get up here. Because unless he comes, and that says, says unless you come, you know, I, I, you know, unless he comes, I'm not even going to come up here because I'm just going to stand here and look at you because I don't have nothing to give you. It's not me. I'm I welcome to be the mouthpiece. I'm called to leadership. I don't mind being the mouthpiece of God. But you're going to hear what God has to say to you. And God's going to bless you. And God's going to use you. And God's going to refresh you. And God's going to restore you. And man, I really feel like that, that challenge I gave to y'all, and I'll say it again next week on the 5th, you know, that, about that God's, we got to get rid of everything so we can move forward. And I believe it's happening. I believe y'all are doing it. Yeah, but it started really happening, at, at, you, know, at, you know, towards the end of January. Well, you know what happened on January 26th? 
2016, that's when we had our first service. So it started in January when the true beginning started. God is so good, and God wants to touch you and bless you and heal you. He wants you to walk in a way, in a place that you never had before, just like those others that speak. He wants you to have more peace in your home. He wants you to overcome it. But you've got to want it. You've got to desire it. And you've got to be willing to put aside those things that are trying to drag you down. You've got to be willing to put aside those things that the enemy's trying to trick you with. During these times of refreshing, whenever you are rising up in the Lord, you can be assured that all hell is going to try to come against you to stop it. All hell is going to try to come against you to try to stop it, to try to turn you back, to try to make you quit, to make you think it was fake, that it wasn't you, that you can't contain this, that you can't keep this. Oh, I've already, I've, personally, as a pastor, I've already heard that. Oh, that was one week, one and done, it's over. Go do your best this week, Doug. Oh, you're just a, you're just a small church, Doug. You think you're going to be able to do that? This is the enemy. I'm like, no, I am a small church, and no, I don't think I can do it because I can't. But, Satan, it says in the Word of God, the greater is he than me that's in me than he that's in the world. If I submit to God or resist you, you have to flee. So be gone. In Jesus' name. So the enemy's going to come at you sideways with your spouse, with your kids. If you're like me, that idiot on the street, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. That's your child. You know, that neighbor, your work, whatever, anything. He'll probably create new things just to try to get you out of this. But you got to be determined. I will not relent. I will not let it go. I will hang on to this. I will hang on to the rope until my hand bleeds. I will not. And then when my hand bleeds so much I'm ready to let go, I'm going to grab on the pastor Doug's hand and he's going to hold me until his hand heals. I got you until it, until it quits bleeding. You hold back on again. Because we're going to do this together. No hype. Just a real move of God. The way it should be. And allow God to do these things in your life. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. God's just fired me up. You probably can tell by my Facebook stuff. I'm, I'm all over, man. I'm just, I'm there at 1030. I, I text my leaders at 1030 the other night. I'm just fired up. I know they were all in bed, but I was just going at it, man. I was like, praise God, so good. I'll tell you what he's about to do. I was just, just telling him right at 10 o'clock at night, 1030 at night. Last night at 1130, I was like, I was just, I was prophesying to people over there on Facebook. I know right now it's 1130 and you're, you're busted and disgusted and you just want to, you want to end it all and you don't, you just want to quit and give up. I tell you what, God's got, I'm just going at it. And then all of a sudden somebody said, you just don't even know. You don't even know. And I said, you know what? No, I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. But God does. I mean, it's an opportunity. And so then I didn't go to bed till 130 last night because I was waiting for somebody else to respond. Come on, I want to minister some more, God. I know I've got to preach, I know I've got to sleep, but somebody else is going to respond, and I want to talk to them. I want to minister to them. I want to tell them about Jesus. I want to tell them about how good God is. Now, am I always going to be this fired up? No. Why? This thing that we have called life. But whenever you have a true move of God, the bounce back, the comeback, 
when you get down a little bit, the valleys are not as deep as they were. It don't take you as long to bounce back. You just say, God, I just need your help. I need, and all of a sudden, refreshing comes. So by your hand, close your eyes, please. Is anybody here that says, Pastor Doug, I, I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. The revival I need is that first one. Or the second one, the, the death to, to my sins. And I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want to receive Jesus. Does anybody here at all want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time, and you want to ask God to come into your life, and you want to repent of your sins? Anybody at all want to, want to receive Christ today? Father, I just pray right now over this congregation, Father, that you bless them, God, that you strengthen them, that you use them, that you let them feel this power, this anointing, this awakening, this revival, this whatever it's called, this move of God that we have right now. Holy Spirit, I'll, God, I'll tell you what David told you or asked you. Don't ever let your presence leave us. We have finally got to the place where you have just begun, just the tip begun to move. And as the head of this church, God, I submit to you to go with it, to move with the cloud, to let you do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Give me the wisdom to handle the rest. The leadership team and the, and the, and the executive board. Let people leave here today and let them encounter you all week long. Put people in their way so they can minister to. And as the enemy brings situations to them to try to make them falter, to make them fail, to make them act ways they shouldn't, God help them to immediately think about you say it's not worth it. I want you more, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Let's have a closing song here and then we'll let you go. Could you sing this if you really want it more? We need him more than ever before. And this altar is always open. As soon as those doors are open in the back, so right now, anytime you need to come pray. <laughs>